This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Its impact on business, this is the COVID-19. And uh, while the numbers are still relatively small, a lot of people feel that this is just the calm before a certain storm or it blows into a much bigger crisis. However, business already feeling its impact. Supply chains have been uh, impacted. We know that travel, likewise, uh, is suffering as a consequence. And certain precincts see people not going out to the same extent that they did before. And uh, to that end, let's just get an update, a snapshot of what's going on at street level. The Senior VP of Public Affairs with the Retail Council of Canada, Carl Littler, back here on the Oakley Show this afternoon. Carl, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, so uh, I guess you're keeping apprised of this with the members in your council. Uh, Businesses feeling a direct and immediate impact from what I guess the perception from the public is, uh, you know, we've got to be mindful and try to mitigate this, but a lot of people not going out to the extent they once were, uh, not frequenting establishments, supply chains broken and all the rest. What's the latest? So that's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I guess the first thing is, you know, this has to be kept in some sort of perspective. I mean, we have 34 cases in, uh, confirmed cases in a country of 38 million people. Uh, I believe the majority of those people are actually not hospitalized. They're actually convalescing at home. Um, so, you know, it's important to keep this in perspective as to where it is. You know, we, we obviously walk a line and make, you know, we're not Pollyannish about it, but we want to make sure that people don't sort of get hysterical about, you know, where this is currently. So a, a lot of it, as you've highlighted, is about perception rather than the reality. And some of that may be in the sort of stocking up issue or the assumption that supply chains are drying up. They're not. Um, just to be clear. And we spend quite a bit of time talking not only to global affairs who are watching factory production in places like China, but also talking to the port authorities and seeing what their volumes are coming through. We talk to domestic manufacturers to reassure ourselves that they can meet the demand. And, you know, it isn't easy going, but basically all of our supply chain looks, you know, reasonably robust at the moment. The issue is, you know, what does it look like a month from now or two months from now if, if you know, containment either in Canada or elsewhere in the world is less successful. So what you're saying is, uh, in large measure, there's an overreaction here. Do you think the media is stoking panic? Well, I would never accuse the media of stoking panic on a big issue of public importance. I think, you know, the first thing to understand you know, somebody was saying to me that there was a photo, and I won't mention the merchant, but it's a big merchant, the other day of an empty shelf. What they also failed to mention was that there was a skid right next door to it as people were loading new or about to load new stuff on. So, yeah, there can be a little bit of uh, hysteria. I don't think that that's necessarily media fanning the flames, and certainly these days social media can drive as much uh, sort of public reaction as well. You know, this issue about stocking up has sort of got away from us a little bit. And I'm not talking about just from retailers. You know, we're talking about um, a disease that, so far as we know, has a 14-day incubation period. So if you have contacted somebody with it and have contracted it, it will have manifested itself within that period. 
you know, there's a convalescence period, but we are not talking about heading into the hills with a couple of shotguns and 48 cases of beans here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, making sure you've got enough Advil on hand and paper towels and, you know, for a matter of a few weeks. So I think people have to keep in perspective what we're really talking about here. Well, you're right. I mean, when we hear from, uh, well, authoritative voices suggesting we uh, stock up on food and medical supplies, it almost sounds like something out of a survivalist manual. It does a little bit, and I don't think that that's what the public health officials are trying to convey. They're saying, look, you know, have enough food on hand that you could last out a couple of weeks, you know, have enough sort of paper towels and, and you know, and soap and, uh, you know, and the like, you know, hand sanitizer maybe, um, you know, Advil, those sorts of things. Uh, but those aren't like, you know, we're not talking long, long periods. You know, you buy, you buy the large size Advil, you've kind of met your Advil need, if you follow me. It's not, uh, it isn't that sort of survivalist mentality of I'm off in the bunker and I need a food source for a year. Yeah, but then people see, for example, yesterday when the prime minister strikes this committee to uh, investigate ways that people might be helped, and they're talking even of financial assistance or some kind of compensation, uh, what are we to derive from that? Well, I think that it's prudent for government to plan, you know, sort of hope for the best but plan for the worst, right? And I think that um, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland was right on the money when she said we're sort of taking a, a Goldilocks approach, which is, you know, neither neither too hot nor neither too cold, but let's make sure that we plan properly. And those are reasonable considerations. So, for example, you know, if, if people are going to be off for a protracted period of time, does EI kick in? You know, those sorts of things. I mean, they're the kind of considerations that you would expect government to go through. Obviously, they're making sure that healthcare care professionals have enough, you know, uh, resources, uh, you know, in order to deal with, uh, with an uptick if, if, if the number of cases does grow significantly. So I would very much expect government to be at that state. Yeah, and this sort of happening in conjunction with the rail blockades. Now, uh, for the most part, I guess, traffic moving on the rails again. But uh, is that still somewhat delayed? I mean, still uh, some supply chain issues in the pipeline? Yeah, I think I think well, there's a couple of things, and not all of it on the retail side. So, <clears throat> on, I'm sorry, excuse me. Yes. Um, the issue I think was that it was a little murky um, initially. If you did have a bit of a slowdown in supply, was it attributable to being stuck on a dock in Vancouver, for example, because it hadn't moved because of the rail blockade, or was it an issue of an order that hadn't been filled from China? I think that is actually now starting to wash out. It's becoming a little clearer what is what. And at least as we talk to uh, the rail networks and the ports, they're by and large kind of cleared up the backlog that they had uh, from the uh, the blockades. That's, that's less of a challenge now, but certainly a couple of hits in a row. And then, of course, for the economy, the difficulty was more moving stuff to market. Uh, so it's more the export side. And, you know, are there any negative effects of the slowdown there? And, and do you actually lose customers that couldn't be supplied during the blockades? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the economy and uh, with the Bank of Canada dropping interest rates by 50 basis points, and they're saying another cut perhaps in April. Uh, So you've got fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus being discussed here uh, with, I guess, uh, the budget coming up in the province March 25th and uh, shortly around that timeline federally as well. Uh, What are you anticipating they're going to do for small businesses uh, at the retail level in this country, if anything? Uh, I I couldn't tell you that. I have to, uh, and of course we'd be delighted to see some stimulus measures that would be beneficial to small business. Um, 
you know, there no question. Uh, the OECD put out a study the other day that suggested, you know, there's there's certainly going to be a hit taken by the world economy, and of course we're heavily integrated into that. Um, it was still a growth scenario, just a very very slow growth scenario for uh, you know for this quarter and and into the next part of the year. So I, I think that. You know, government's looking at this and saying we're not going to have the growth that we had forecast last time. You know, it's important to instill confidence in business and consumers, and obviously one way to do that is to make uh, money a bit cheaper by uh, by cutting interest rates. I don't know what specifically they will do for business. Um, certainly we'll be interested to see that. Uh, government, as you know, can be a little circumspect about what it's planning for budgets. Right. It's just uh, in these times where uh, business is feeling an impact, it'd be nice to see that there's kind of a, a lifeline extended, or to some extent anyway. Carl, I'll let you go on that note. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll check back if uh, the situation warrants. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Carl Littler, Senior VP, Public Affairs, Retail Council of Canada. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.